0: We're back in the book of Acts. Last week, we, we took a little short detour to 2 Timothy 4, chapter, chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Uh, we're back in Acts, chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. The title of this message is So Long, Farewell. You know, well, this last week, we had uh, two different funeral-type situations. We had Erna. Uh, her funeral was on Tuesday. Uh, after a prayer service on Monday and a funeral here on Tuesday, we went to the graveside and the family said goodbye. On Friday, uh, we had a, a graveside service for Gloria and her, her son, uh, Oh man, her son, Alan, thank you, and I have it in here somewhere, her daughter, Verlene. And it's, it, was, it was a tough time for the family to say goodbye. And what makes me think about the end of life is, is what we see here. This, what was the last thing that these people got to hear from their family members? What was the last thing Gloria said? What was the last memory that uh, Erna left with her family that these kids are going to hang on to forever? Because we know the last words that somebody says are going to be some of the most powerful words. People with those with that opportunity to say, I know I'm going to pass away, are going to say things that maybe they wouldn't say otherwise, because this is their last chance to say it. And they're going to say it as clear as, what they, as, as they can, because they can't clarify it at some point. So the last words that are said are some of the most important words that are ever heard. In Acts chapter 20, verses 17 to 38, we come across Paul's last words to to the area of Ephesus, or the church in Ephesus. And Paul doesn't take the opportunity to talk about all the good times. Paul takes the opportunity to lay out how important it is to be faithful to what God has called you to do. And so I want you to hear these words as the final words that Paul says to the the people of Ephesus who are going to be hanging on everything that Paul says because they know that it is going to be indeed the last words that they ever hear from Paul. So before we do, let's pray and ask God's blessing on the service. Father God, we thank you for life. We thank you, God, for the the ability to communicate. We thank you, God, for the ability to record your word that we can read. And God, what we're going to be looking at today is the recorded last words of Paul to the the church in Ephesus. And I just pray that God with, the, with the, the heart that Paul was trying to share with what those people were hearing, that we would hear it that way today, that these, this wouldn't just be another message. These would be the final words that we hang on to uh, for a very long time, and we, we base our life off of it. I pray, God, for your words to say, for the clarity to speak it, for the ability to remember. I want I to do that as well. Please just bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> So Paul, we left him two weeks ago in the city of Troas, uh, where he had, if you remember the story where plans had changed, and, he, and Paul was making the most of the situation, he was supposed to sail down in Greece, and because there was a plot on his life, he says, I can't go that way, I'm going to go up, travel up through where I've already been, and I'm going to stop in Troas, and while he was there, he shared the gospel, and remembered the dangers of falling asleep in church. Right? Make sure you're not sitting on the balcony if you're going to fall asleep in church. Make sure that you're not sitting next to a window. You're sitting in a pew, so you're probably going to be okay. But anyway, Paul is there, and from that point on, he travels from port to port until he ends up in a new city. Uh, and, and this is part of the message of what Paul has to say. This We're going to look at the farewell message, the farewell goodbye, the farewell letter that he gives to the Ephesians. And the first thing that we see that we need to do, is to develop a history of faithfulness in ministry. We need to be people who are faithful to the ministry that God has called us to as long as God has called us to be there. Verse 18, Paul says, When I arrived, he said to them, or this is what was written about Paul, When, when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time while I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. Paul's talking to the Ephesians. He lived there for almost three years, teaching them, crying with them, sharing the good news with them, trying to tell them anything that they ever needed to know in order to live a godly life. And at this point, when we read through the book of Acts, we don't see much uh, turmoil or much issues that Paul had to deal with you know there was a little bit of the, the silver smith who was trying to run off Paul and his friends because he was worried about his business and they got brought before all this huge group of people but that kind of dissolved before anything ever took place so we don't know what kind of opposition that he was facing but Paul faced a lot of opposition because he says in verse 19 I served the Lord with great humility and with tears although I was severely tested by the Plots of the Jews. If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty-two, we see that Paul he says, "If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained?" Paul potentially was fighting to the death with wild animals. I don't know how he didn't die. I don't know if he got the upper hand on the lion or whatever he was that he was fighting. So potentially, Paul Paul was literally fighting for his life. While he was, he was facing opposition, it was life and death. But even if Paul didn't face numerous wild animals, maybe it was just a threat. And even a threat is a difficult thing to handle. If there's a threat on your life, if you go to work, if you vote for somebody, if you go a different direction than what somebody wants you to go, that's enough to deter a lot of people. Fine, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it is does take to save my life. But Paul, he was faithful to the Lord in spite of opposition. He did not let what man say deter him from serving God. It says in verse 20 and 21 that Paul preached the word everywhere he went, both publicly and in people's homes. It says, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and have from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was willing to go everywhere to to preach the gospel. Typically, when Paul went to a new city he went to the synagogues he went to talk to the jews first to explain to them the message of salvation and we've we've seen that multiple times throughout the book of acts and then once those people rejected paul says as he says several times he wipes the feet off his the dust off his feet your blood is on your own heads i'm going to the gentiles so paul is is speaking to people and serving god in spite of opposition and he's going everywhere talking to everyone about the name of Jesus. And because of this, Paul could say that he is innocent of every man's blood. In verses 26 and 27, he says, Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Paul went to the Jews. He went to the Gentiles. He was talking to the the higher class. He was talking to the lower class, people who were wanting to hear And people who didn't care. He never stopped because of inconvenience. You know, I'm on my way to somebody's house for dinner. I'm I'm not going to stop and talk to you. That wasn't Paul. He would talk to anybody at any time. He wasn't concerned whether or not they were going to like what he said. Paul said a lot that got him into a lot of trouble. He got thrown into prison. He got run out of town. But Paul said, in spite of opposition, I'm going to talk to anybody anywhere about the name of Jesus, no matter how unpopular it was going to be. Paul was not gun shy. He was not a guy who was going to chicken out. He says, I am going to share Jesus with as many people as I possibly can. So Paul, Paul also lived by example in everyday life. This was the guy who's trying to be faithful in ministry everywhere he can, in every way where he's going, everything he's saying, but also everything he's doing. In verse 34 to 35, he says, you yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul was not a guy who just talked. He didn't just get up and say, I get paid or I get invited to speak in front of a synagogue. Now you guys go out and do all the work. Paul was a guy who says, yes, I'm going to tell you what to do. But he says, I'm going to go out there and do it as well. I'm going to be an example for you to follow. So instead of Paul being a guy like I'm a missionary, just you got to support me and then I'll, I'll talk because that's what I get paid to do. He says, I'm going to help support myself. I'm going to help support my team. And I see poor people out there. I'm going to go out there and help support them as well. Because Paul was developing a history of faithfulness in ministry. Wherever it was, whatever it was God was asking him to do. He says, I'm going to be faithful to the very end. And if Paul had a very hard road to to live, to walk down, a very tough call in his life, a very tough race to run, and he was faithful in ministry, how much more should Josh or the people in this room be faithful to the ministry that God has called us to? Chances are I'm not going to face wild beasts. I'm not going to go to Africa and have to eat funky foods. I'm not going to have to learn a new language. I'm not going to be living in a hut I'm planning on staying here. It should be a fairly simple rest of my life. How much more should I be faithful in ministry? If Paul, with the extreme conditions he was under, was willing to do that, I should be even more faithful in my situation today. I, Paul had a history of faithfulness in ministry. I need to have a history of faithfulness in ministry. Now, you don't have to look very far to find somebody who, who bowed out of ministry. Because it got tough, right? There's there are Sunday school teachers, there are preachers who can't handle somebody saying negative things about the way they teach. Josh is, you know, if I ever if I ever took sometimes what I see and, and like thought how how exciting I am versus David Jeremiah, you know, I would quit because I, I I can look at the two and say, you know what, he's he's got something special. But there are a lot of teachers and Sunday school teachers and pastors who are like. Somebody's picking on me. I'm done. Someone else wants to lead the church, wants to preach. Someone else wants to get up there in front of the Sunday school class and teach. You have that. I don't get paid enough. I'm a volunteer, right? I don't get paid enough to put up with this. You don't have to look far to find people who said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm done. People who have, who are trying to lead in a wanna group or a way of doing VBS. You know, that's, you know, I I could totally pick apart things in VBS, because that's not how I would do it. But you know, I'm not the only guy who's got a way to do it. Uh, you know, there's, there's lots of creative other ways and people could pick on me and say, that's not how we've ever done VBS before. And I can say, that's fine. You do it that way. Go ahead. I'm done. And so you don't have to look far to find people who say, I don't want to be picked on. I don't want people talking bad about me behind my back. I don't want to have that opposition because if you were in a place of, Ministry. if you're in a place of leadership, you've got a great big target on your back. There's going to be people surrounding you who are going to think, boy, you didn't do a good job saying that. I think somebody else could have done a better job. I think you should have done this or that. It's going to happen. But you're also going to have a big target on your back from Satan. Because Satan doesn't like you. And if you're trying to do what God wants you to do, you're going to face adversity that somebody who's just sitting in the pew doing nothing is not going to face. If you're trying to serve God wholeheartedly, you've got a target on your back. It might be this small or it might be this big, but there are people who are going to be against you. That's why you've got to develop this history of faithfulness and ministry. You've got to stay in the game. You've got to say, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to continue to do this. I, my goal is not to please man. No, if my goal is to please man, it would be, I'd be completely different. If my goal is to please man, I probably wouldn't be here anymore because I can't do it. But my goal is to please God, to do and to say what God has asked me to do. And that was Paul's mission. That was his the purpose in life was to please God. It says in verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Not the task that you all gave me, not the task that anybody else thinks I should be doing. It's the task that Jesus gave me is what Paul says, I'm trying to be faithful to do. So first of all, you've got to develop a history of faithfulness and ministry. Even if you say, I, I don't really have much of that. Start where you're at today. Be faithful from this point on to what God has called you to do to be faithful with that ministry. And that's a ministry in word and a ministry in action. Now, when you think about words, you're probably thinking about me or you think about a Sunday school teacher who gets up and talks in front of people. And that's true. I should have faithfulness in ministry in in the words that I say. You know, if I'm preaching from the pulpit, I should be speaking what is true. You should be able to check me out to see if it's really there. But you should all, I should also have be faithful to ministry of the word by saying what needs to be said. Uh, I should also keep my word. But I'm not the only guy who talks. I talk more than all of you, but I'm not the only person who talks. You guys all have friends. You guys all have living rooms. You guys all have text messages. Even if you're like, how do I make this thing work? Right? Like the dad in that show, you guys all have as much opportunity to talk as I do. You've got to be faithful in ministry in the words that you say to share Jesus with people who don't know Jesus, to give godly truth, to give godly advice. Paul's goal was to be helpful to everybody that he came across. To tell them something from God's word. We all have that same opportunity. We've got to be willing to say what needs to be said. We've got to be willing to say it the right way. We've got to be willing to keep our word when we have said something. But we should also be faithful in ministry in action. You know, um, how I live my life every day, you know, at home shows faithfulness. When I'm at my job, shows faithfulness. When I'm, when I'm at church, sign up for a ministry, it shows faithfulness. We should be faithful to what we have said we are going to do, and we should have a history of it. They shouldn't look at Josh and say, well, gee, I wonder if Josh is going to keep his word. I wonder if Josh is going to show up. I wonder if Josh is going to do what he said he was going to do. I should have a history of faithfulness that God knows and that you can count on. That's the kind of history that Paul had. He said he would do it. He did it. Everywhere he went, he was trying to keep consistently following Jesus. So in this farewell letter, we see, I know redundantly, uh, we need to have a, a history of faithfulness in ministry. We also need to be uh, continue that faithfulness in ministry until the end. Paul, he's just getting ready to leave Ephesus. He doesn't say, Boy, I've done a lot of work and I went through a lot of things, guys, and good luck. Now you take over. I'm done. I'm retiring. He says, Now I'm compelled by the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. I have no idea what's going to happen to me there. All I know is that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. That doesn't sound like a guy who's giving up, it doesn't sound like a guy who says, I'm done. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. And as we looked at last week, he, he makes it to the very end. He, he, he gets to death's door. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul, from day one, was 100% locked in on Jesus. He says, whatever you're asking me to do, however hard, however easy, I'm going to do that. I'm going to continue that faithfulness. And we, we see this perfect example of Paul. We're going through the book of Acts. We can read his letters, the good times and the bad times, and see that he maintained that level of faithfulness to the end. And that's what we need to do as well. We started out well. We, we, got, a, we got a short history of faithfulness. We, we don't ever get to the point where we say, I'm retired. I'm done. You know, some ministries, there's a commitment time. You know, I think about being a, a deacon or a trustee. Or Sunday school superintendent or or things like that, you have like a time limit. You know, I'm doing this for three years. While you have you're signed up for that ministry, be faithful through that ministry until the very end. Just three years of your life, just one ninth-month period of a wana, just one three-day week of VBS, be faithful in that ministry until you're done. And then be faithful in ministry to the very end of your life. Now, I'm really sorry to tell you this, people who work in Awana. Can you raise your hand for me? If you work in Awana in any sort of which way, can you raise your hand for me? I'm really sorry to tell you that once you sign up for Awana, you're stuck in it forever. Okay, maybe you're not. You know, when you get older, your ministries change. All of a sudden, I don't think I can play on the floor with little kids anymore. All of a sudden, I don't think I can handle all this screaming. All of a sudden, I, I just you know what, whatever the ministry is, all of a sudden I don't have that physical capability to accomplish this ministry. It's okay to stop. But you just pick up with another ministry that you are capable of doing. Even if it's to the very end where all I can do is be a faithful prayer warrior. That's all I can do. At some point you cannot get out there and do other types of ministry. So being faithful to the ministry to the very end Yes, the ministries are going to change, but whatever ministry you're in, you're going to be faithful in that ministry until God takes you home. Nobody gets to retire from ministry. So in this farewell letter, we see that we need to develop a history of faithfulness in ministry. We need to continue that uh, that level of faithfulness to the very end. But we also need to be a source of encouragement to others in ministry that we would encourage them to be in faithful ministry as well. Acts chapter 20 verses 28 to 32. It says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. Be shepherds of the flock of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard, remember that for three years I never stopped warning you with each each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit to you and to the word of his, to God and to the word of His grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul's leaving. He's done. He, I mean, he's done with Ephesus. God's moving him on to Jerusalem. But Paul is trying to encourage these people you're going to have some tough times ahead of you. Maintain that faithfulness. Don't let other things, other people get in the way to stop you. So first of all, he says, keep watch over yourselves. He's talking to the overseers, the, the, the elders, the deacons. Hey, you got the spiritual control of this church. You watch yourselves. Make sure that you are living a life as an example. Uh, you, like I said before, you are going to have people looking for you to fail. They're going to be looking at you as an excuse to do something wrong. You're going to have that target on your back, and, and, and Satan's going to be trying to eliminate you among above and beyond everybody else. He says, you're leading these people. Watch over yourselves. Make sure that you don't fall. Make sure you maintain that. This is keep watch over your flock. You're going to have opposition from outside and you're going to have opposition from out inside. You know, when Paul was going from place to place, he was sharing the message with Jesus and then he was getting run out of town by the Jews he was trying to share Jesus with. Uh, recently, he was trying to, to share Jesus. It says in. Acts 19, he says in verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and they publicly maligned the way. So he took his disciples and he went to another place. You know what those guys are going to want to do? Once they see Paul's gone... They're just probably biding their time. We're just waiting until Paul leaves and then we're going to go in there and we're going to disperse this church. They don't like the message of Paul. They don't like the fact, the fact that he's pointing out this, this name, Jesus, that you got to believe in and trust in. And so these are going to be the kind of people who are going to come. As soon as Paul leaves, they're going to try to get rid of this church. So he says, from the outside, you're going to be facing opposition. Great, that's just what these people want to hear. But Paul's saying, inc- encouraging them, maintain your ground, stand your ground. Stay on the ball. Don't let that happen. But he says also from inside the walls of the church, there's going to be people who are here or people who come in and they want to lead. They say, well, there's a bunch of people here. I'm going to tell them something new. I'm going to get my own following so that I can have followers and lead them outside elsewhere. So these these overseers, they've got to stay on their toes, spiritually speaking, to make sure that no false truth get into the the building and start leading people astray. So, deacons, we have an awesome job to make sure that we are holding to the truth. That we are making sure that we don't let any outside force come in here and lead people astray. Paul is reminding, he's encouraging these guys. It's going to be tough. I wish all encouragement was, you're doing a good job. Keep up the good work. But sometimes encouragement comes in the form of, this is what's going to happen. God, but God can help you through that. The third part of this is that uh, Paul commits this church to, the, uh, to God. Uh, he, he commits the church in verse 32. He says, Now I commit you, commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. There's no one better that Paul could leave in charge of that church. Right? Paul's like, I'm out of here. I'm going. I can't just say, Here, somebody else, you stay here and you run this. It's, I mean, ultimately, Timothy at some point gets there, but he's not leaving them necessarily in Timothy's hands. He's leaving them in God's hands. He's committing this whole church to God. He's praying for them. He says, God is the one who can build you up, He's the one who can increase your faith, He's the one who can mold you and shape you into what He wants you to be. He's also the one who's going to reward you for the work that you do. That's an encouragement. You know, it can get very discouraging to be in a ministry where you don't see anything happening. You don't get any pat on the backs or any kudos. You don't see like this matters a hill of beans to anybody. Very discouraging. But it doesn't matter. We see in scripture that God will reward you for your work. So be encouraged. Paul is encouraging these people to maintain this level of faithfulness in their ministry. We as well should be those kinds of people who encourage people in ministry. So I expect a card from everybody this week, or a text, or <laughs> just kidding. I was thinking more along the lines of of Steve Vedder. Uh, his dad used to be a pastor here a long time ago, and I've I've told you about him. He he called me up out of the blue like a year and a half ago. Just hey, how's it going? And every week we text once or twice a week. We usually talk on the phone. We did this past week just about how life is going. Hey, I just want to encourage you. I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. Uh, So Steve Vitter he listens to this sometimes. So I appreciate that, Steve. I'm telling everybody, if you, because you do that, it does encourage me. I get very encouraged. He's doing exactly what Paul would be trying to do to those people to say, good job. Keep it up and keep going. You know, there's, there's a lot of missionaries, who are overseas? Who I'm sure feel like they're all alone. Yes, we get their their newsletters. Uh, you know, I think about Bud, Bud's the mix, the missionary that I picked. I I, I really like Bud. I, I talk to him uh, once or twice a week. We text, and I actually get a lot more information than what you get uh, than what he sends for the, the emails. Um, but he's he's a source of encouragement. But I'm also trying to encourage him, saying, Hey, Bud, what's going on in life? How did this this uh Think turn out where you had all these kids come from different countries and you're trying to share Jesus with them. Letting them know that I care about what he's involved in. Uh, there's, there's missionaries that think about who's in Alaska? The foxes. You think about, you know, they just went through, there, it feels like someone's always dying there. He's, that guy does more funerals than anybody I've ever known. And they're, they're, they're suffering hardships from losing people. It would be great to encourage them. I think about the sparks and about the the Mrs. Sparks and whatever was going on with her arm. And we found out it was in pain. We found out that they figured out what it was. But I think it would be great to encourage them, say, hey, I'm praying for you. How'd that turn out? Just knowing somebody's out there thinking about you at some point is hugely encouraging. So I would encourage you, encourage somebody else in ministry uh, far away, but even within the walls of this church. Uh, I think about uh, when I first, even in the walls of this town, you know, when I first came to town, uh, Pastor Joe from the Free Church, he kind of took me under his wing. He's like, here's kind of how life works. This is what happens at this time of year, and here's Plevna. You know, I didn't have any clue. It's 800 miles away, I'd never heard of it before, but we would get together and visit. Well, now I try to take Eric under my wing and say, hey, how's life going? Here's what's going on. How can I help you? How can I be of assistance to you? So whether it's somebody in ministry far away or somebody in this town or even inside the walls of this church, say, you know what, Nicole, you did an awesome job. I'm embarrassed for myself. (laughs) You did a better job than I did on Sunday School Charlie. And I'm not even kidding. Darren, yes, last week he did... An outstanding job cleaning up that basement. That was like my most, almost my most favorite project work project they got done. There, there are there are people who lead songs that should be up here on Sundays. We lead songs in Awana and during VBS. Uh, there's there's great Sunday school teachers, and if you recognize and see somebody's doing a good job, tell them. Be a source of encouragement to those people in ministry. Now, this message was full of heartfelt. Full of heartfelt words from Paul to Ephesus, the church of Ephesus. He's saying goodbye. He he's not he's not saying, Poor me, woe is me, what I'm going to. He's not uh he it's full of it's full of love. It's full of encouragement. You just get a huge sense of his heart that he's saying you got to persevere to the very end. That was kind of the gist of this message. I, I, I worded it a little bit, kind of a combination of everything. Uh, develop your own history of faithfulness and ministry and encourage others to do the same. That's, that's what I would say Paul's message is in a nutshell. This was his final message to these people. And all I could hope is that these people took his word seriously and they said, okay, Paul, we are going to pick up where you left off. We are going to watch over this church, make sure nobody comes in from, th- uh, from the outside to mess us up and nobody gets a foothold inside to screw it up from the inside. Paul was faithful in ministry. He he had his own history of faithfulness. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to have the same kind of faithfulness in ministry and encourage others to do the same as well. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your word. God, I over and over can just thank you for Paul's example of being faithful in ministry. There's, There's so much more to his life than what we even realize. And he never said no to you. He always said yes, no matter what it was going to cost him. God, I'm just a simple little guy in in Montana, and this is where you've put me, and I just pray that with whatever that means, that I would be faithful to what you've called me to do, that I would be faithful in the words that I say, that I'd be faithful in the actions that I display. And I just pray for our church, God, that for those of us who are doing well, that we could continue running our race well, that we could continue being faithful in ministry. And for those of us who might not really be doing anything or trying real hard to be faithful in ministry, I just pray that you would encourage us that today is a new day. We can start over today and be faithful with the ministry that you've given us to do. I thank you. And I just I thank you also, God, for our dads, for the examples that they were at me as a dad. I just pray that you'd help me to be a faithful dad and be a witness that way as well.